Hello everyone and welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is your 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me I have three great co-hosts, James Carmona. Hey now. Mr. Brandon Grant. I'm excited to be back, Pablo. Alright, and finally, the one, the only, Archon Scari. Necrons are the way forward. Oh. Ooh, Necrons <laughs> are the way forward. Alright, uh, that that was Brandon talk for Let's Get Going. So, the, the, we have a lot to talk about this episode, guys and gals. Uh, we have to talk about two codexes that got released, probably new models as well. Uh, we have to talk about the... October FAQ update that GW dropped on us is a big bombshell uh, the day that the podcast is being recorded. So I, I've been scrambling between that, looking at that, and also doing work. And then on top of that, we have a ninth edition. Like, ninth edition is here. It's not just random indexes, or not indexes, but points in a manual. We have codexes. We have secondary objectives that were added to the game. We have our first real semblance of what we, th- the future, what the meta is going to look like. So there's a lot to talk about today. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what we like, the good, the bad, and ugly from both the Necron and Space Marine Codex. We're also going to be talking about that October FAQ. Uh, we're going to talk about what we like about that. Uh, we're going to talk about as many factions as we can and kind of the the health and direction that the faction is taking is it good is it bad does this faction need work did gw drop the ball or is gw on point with this faction and then finally we're going to talk about the ninth edition codex formula that is every codex edition every edition the codexes have a formula they they follow a specific set of rules uh formats in every edition so far that i've seen ninth edition is no exception exception we have a formula clearly now space the space marine codex and the necron codex show us what the formula is and we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about what that means for our favorite factions so there's a lot to cover buy stuff from frontlinegaming.org they were they brought you this episode and we're going to jump right into it with the necron codex now james brandon and scary and myself we are not known as the premier necron players but I have been looking at the Necron Codex and looking at, well, not looking at the Necron Codex. I have been looking at Necrons for a while now, uh, ever since I kind of expected them to be, uh, you know, an Indominus box release or some sort, you know, because they got kind of shafted in the end of 8th edition. And so I always kind of expected them to have a big push forward. Uh, I was rewarded with not only a new Codex, but also the Silent King. So my question to the three of you is, before we jump into the Necron Codex, is, how much how much are you looking at Necrons now? How much are are, are they on your radar? And uh, be honest, how much do you know about the Codex and the faction as a whole? Starting with... Scary. <laughs> I, I can launch in first, actually. My really big impression was that they re-upped reanimation protocols. So big units of Necrons are better than ever because you're going to keep resurrecting them over and over and over again with the new change, which is... After an enemy finishes an attack, you then immediately roll for your reanimation protocols. And uh, especially for single wound models, because the change is for every roll that you succeed on, you need to add up to the total that a, a single model has. So if you have a unit of destroyers, you need to roll enough reanimation successes to completely reanimate a destroyer at full health. Any extras that are a partial destroyer get discarded. So I'm looking at that change. I'm like, okay. 
20 strong uh, Necron warrior units, I expect those to show up and I expect them to be ridiculous to take down because you almost have to kill a unit twice over to get rid of it. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. not the only thing that we saw straight out the gate either, Brandon. I think uh, somebody was already toting around a list with uh, four uh, Catans. So, like, a Shard, uh, the Transcendent one, a Nightbringer, a Void Dragon, a Deceiver. And you've got four models there that all have Necroderma, so they can't lose more than three wounds in a given phase. Well, yeah, I, um, I think you can only take one Satan per yeah, detachment. Once, once per detachment. So, I think so you can only take three. three. But yeah. Okay, the, well, regardless, that's still kind of the same thing. I mean... In the same vein, if you took three, you, I mean, you could pretty much count out certain elite armies that don't do damage in more than maybe one or two phases. And, uh, I mean, there was, I can't remember what website was showing that, but it looks pretty gross because the Void Dragon is ridiculous with his shooting. I mean, Deceiver and the Nightbringer in combat are no slouches. I mean, the Nightbringer ignores invul saves. I think it's like AP5 in combat. So, I mean, there, there's definitely some other cool gimmicky stuff you can do with the Codex that I would have never expected. No, I agree. Nightbringer also ignoring feel no pains is also that's really, right. really powerful. Yeah, yeah. They also really, revamped really like from my first impressions of reading the codex and going through it. Um, the changes to the Satan powers is uh, a great importance. I think that they've buffed the Satan powers in general. Just the Satan in general, um, even though they're the lowest of the hierarchy in terms of like, you know, they they can't be the warlord unless like everybody else is not the warlord essentially you don't have anybody else in your list almost but they are killy they're durable they have some great toolkit abilities and what i liked is just the i feel like there are now options in the necron codex so like from a good bad and ugly perspective the good is you're reading the codex and it's not just like the same units over and over you can run 80 necron warriors in a giant blob it is incredibly tough to kill I've already played a couple of games against the Unicrons, and in situations where I would have wiped out 20 Necron Warriors in a heartbeat, it's taking me three times the amount of time to get through them. Yeah, yeah the... that is that alone, like mimicking what Brandon said, like that is a big deal. Yeah, they also have a lot of tricks too. Necron Warriors have the ability to uh, obviously get out of Night Sights, but they have a stratagem that lets them teleport to a Night Sight again. So you could conceivably drop 20 Necron Warriors in one spot with a Night Sight, and then with that same Night Sight, drop another 20 Warriors within three inches of the base on that same Night Sight. Uh, they also have an, a secondary faction or a pick your own dynasty rule that lets you move your entire army up the board six inches before the game starts, um, which. It is for an army that that relies on attrition and board control like this one is massive. There's also a lot of little tricks too. They got more characters. They already had a lot of characters to begin with, so now they have more little tricksy characters. The cryptic, uh, the cryptic kind of choose your own relics, build your own cryptic rules. Really cool. Uh, I really like the psychomancer, um, which is the one that lets it. I mean. It's other abilities are okay. Favorite. He's my but, favorite. Oh, you can remove obsec from a unit. Oh that is insane. Goodness. That is so so, so just by so itself good. that is good. But also has the ability to make the advance and charge rolls worse, and then it can also pick up a relic that just gives it uh, the ability to smite. So just you beat you beat their leadership on three d six dice, and then you do d three mortal wounds. It's don't leave on with that one. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're great. They're super cheap. But th that's not my point. The point is is that this Necron Codex. There's a lot of really interesting options that you have to look at that Necron players, I think, online aren't necessarily seeing right away just because a lot of the the, the quote-unquote best Necrons units that you saw before 
got nerfed. And they, they did. They, they got, like, flat-out nerfed um, in a lot of cases. So I really like that. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add to that? Because I have, I have a, I can talk about Necrons for a while, for almost an entire episode. I mean, let's just say... Yeah, let's move on, but let's just say Necrons are going to be a thing. They're no longer just going to be sitting on the sidelines. All right, one more thing, because I know we're going to talk about Space Marines more than Necrons, because that's what everyone is talking about. Uh, So, uh, Tabletop Titans, Mr. Brian and Adrian, they uh, released three, their top three dynastic codes are actually live streaming as we're recording right now. Um, And as I've been kind of looking at the dynastic codes, which are their chapter tactics, um, I really, really like Mefford, obviously Mefford looks amazing. It's got the, this one with the add three range, add three to the range characteristics of uh, your shooting weapons. And then you also increase the AP value when you're shooting at half range, which is really powerful, especially with the new Necron Warrior gun, the strength five, AP two, one damage, assault two gun. That's really strong. Uh, but also my favorite is Sarakon. Sarakon, that's the one that uh, the Silent King has. So with Sarakon, you already get the Silent King. And then you have the ability to uh, ignore mortal wounds on a five plus, which is which is sometimes useful. It's a little niche, um, but more importantly, uh, they, they have the ability to deny psychic powers on a four up. They have that stratagem, uh, which is what other Black Templar sisters. Um, other factions have gotten in the past, um, and it's proven to be a really reliable stratagem, especially when the meta's called for it, which oftentimes psychic powers do kind of take over the meta, especially when you have really powerful ones. And then they also have a warlord trait that lets you take uh, two command protocols for a turn, for two turns instead of one battle round. So normally you pick five command protocols and you assign them secretly, and then each one is a single battle round. However, this one, their warlord trait lets you remove one and then replace it with uh, the same one again, um, which for them is really cool because Undying Legions, which is, I think, the best command protocol one, uh, Undying Legions, that's the one where you uh, you add one, either the first directive is you add one wound to, to living metal, and um, so you get two turns of adding two to living metal, and the Necron Codex, all the characters have living metal now. Basically, if you have multiple wounds, you have living metal, um, which I think is a change from Eighth Edition. Yes, yes, big change. Yeah, the, which is huge because you have you're going to want to take characters, um, and with the buff to like Tesseract Vaults, which went up to thirty wounds and dropped by fifty points, and also uh, they have those buffed Satan powers as well. Um, that's super huge if you want to do that. If you want, obviously with the Silent King, he'd be able to benefit from the two wounds for living metal as well. Uh, and then the second one, which I think is the better one, the second directive is you get to. Um, re-roll one die of for reanimation protocols for that turn so if you have you know necron warrior blobs uh or you know ms msu whatever um you get to re-roll your animation protocol dice for those for two turns in a row or or turn three and turn five whatever it's just really cool i'm i'm looking at them personally but there's a lot going with this necron codex um and i'm i'm pretty excited about it uh, but it's not better than the space spring codex <laughs> Uh, which we'll, I guess we'll talk about now. All right. Who who wants to start this? So there's there's a lot to talk about here. I'll start out with um, just a very 10,000-foot view of some of the changes that kind of added up to uh, units being toned down. Um, so my favorite is actually the Judiciar ability. So it used to be a 6-inch range of you strike last. Now it's a 3-inch range, and it's very clear from the wording that you cannot use the... Um, 2 CP to interrupt strat ability on it. You have to wait until everyone else has fought, which is great, but 3 inches is far more dodgeable. You can't just make an entire unit immune to melee anymore. 
Um, they also got rid of the grav strat, which I was super happy about. Uh, grav cannons are now flat two damage, and the strat to reroll to wound and reroll the damage die is just gone. Um, so grav cannons I expect to be far more reasonable. Um, some other changes that were interesting to me was uh, the Thunderfire Cannon is just a bolter stat line. Um, all Primaris tanks lost the fly keyword, and if you want minus two to charge, you have to spend CP to get it. Um, Centurions cannot move and shoot and still rapid fire at 24 inches. Um, and then I'll say that um, Chapter Master only affects one unit now. You can't use it as an aura. And then a couple changes to scouts. Scouts are actually elites now. I don't expect people to ever take them again, but we'll see. And then uh, aggressors. They lost their uh, special rules to be able to double shoot and uh, not take a penalty for advancing and shooting. Thank so, God. Jeez. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They, they basically just across the board just nerfed all of the problem uh, units and things that, that we saw from the previous edition. Um, it's about you know, one LVO ago, actually. Um, but... Oh, I didn't mention. Um, oh. Impulsors, their invul has been downgraded to a 5++. Plus plus and they've lost five. the fly as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. All very important. I mean, th those kinds of things really did make a big difference in 8th edition. And even now, kind of like in the beginning in 9th, if you played any games against the, the impulsor list, them being able to jump over stuff the way that they do is incredibly good with that 14-inch movement. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, uh, I kind of like the direction GW was taking um, with the Space Marine Codex. They're focusing more on their MSU Primaris options, um, which I think sells better because the Primaris Marines in general just, they, they look a lot cooler than the old Marines. Um, but more importantly, uh, they are limited. They, they are more expensive. They are smaller units. Although, uh, as Brandon, I think, was going to talk about, um, they did increase the size capacity of a couple of units that I was kind of shocked by. For instance, you can take units of six Blayguard veterans, which is really good. I, I think the the one saving grace to things like Eliminators um, in Last Edition, Aggressors, uh, Eradicators, Blayguard veterans, was that you could only take a maximum of three models. So you could only ever take nine in an army. So they were good, they were points efficient, but you couldn't spam them. Now, you can take 18 Blayguard veterans in an army, uh, and and just take over the middle of the board with these really hard to kill, super points efficient, constant units. Um, but I do in general like the direction GW is taking with the Space Marine Codex. Yeah, I, mean, I think the really cool thing about what they've done, though, and I don't know if this is on purpose or not, but they've definitely given Space Marines the elite feel that it should have by giving lots and lots of the units in the Codex the core uh, keyword. Um, I think aside from like maybe their vehicles and a few things like Centurions, and I'm sorry if I'm missing anything, but most of their stuff has core, which is, is really good. I'm, I'm expecting that going forward with the way they model these codexes, core units will probably be more um, uh, kind of like pigeonholed to, to very basic units where Marines, I think, will get the, you know, the, the whole selection. They can all have core. Yeah, yeah. And... I agree 100%. And um, I was looking looking through the codex in general. Uh, the core units don't get extra stuff. They just get the stuff that, that Space Marines already had before. Uh, meaning that being a core unit doesn't necessarily mean that you got buffed. It just means that you got to 
kind of keep your strength. Um, and the rest of the units got worse. Um, in, in regards to army wide rules and specific, uh, um, uh, force multipliers and things like that. So I, I really like that change. I agree with you, James. Um, by making a lot of, a lot more units core than other armies, you do kind of get that elite feel, um, where every space marine is kind of like important, but then there's also obviously not every unit is core units. No, I think, I think me, because of this, are not you know, core. Space Marines haven't really been like nerfed per se. They've just kind of like brought some of the outliers down, but they've also brought some of the ones that might have not been used up a little bit more, like Terminators getting extra wound and, you know, they like units like them getting the core keyword. So I feel like in a way it's like a lateral transition for the Space Marine army where it's not like a buff or a debuff. It's just like the same sort of power, but you might see like some changes. Then again, making things like Blade Guard six man like strong and like Eradicators six strong. That's that's that that remains to be seen how it impacts the the game. Yeah, uh, Brandon, did you have uh, more? Did you have more uh, things that you had? Um, not really on the negative side, but on the good side, the side where it's like. Yeah, these were necessary changes. Um, some of the new models look really cool. Um, so the rollout of heavy intercessors, for example, um, they seem like they're really, really good. They're basically eradicator stat line, but with bolt weapons. And some of their bolt weapons are pretty scary. Um, there's also some really nice buffs to things like hunters and stalkers, which I was surprised by. Um, I thought that these models were forever going to languish in obscurity. For those who don't know what they are, because they never saw one in all of 8th edition, <laughs> Hunters and Stalkers are the anti-aircraft tanks, and their damage output against uh, supersonic flyers or a flyer battlefield roll is insane. Um, so, And they don't take a penalty anymore if they shoot things that aren't flyer battlefield roll, which is really nice. I mean, you might actually see them on the table. And the good side also is that I expected... Um, a lot of the focus to be on these new Primaris models and making them um, obvious choices where you shouldn't even look at the old Marines. But uh, like Scarry said, Terminators are an interesting choice again with three wounds. Tactical Marines with two wounds are actually interesting, like Devastator squads coming in and drop pods are still a thing. Just because even though you're not going to use the grav strat to make your damage output insane, they're two wound Space Marines now. So actually chewing them down is not easy anymore. Um, so they do have that elite feel, like James was saying. Um, and then even bikes. Bikes have three wounds now. Um, so those were a few of the good changes. Did any of you guys like uh, any of the other changes saying, yeah, that feels like exactly where it should be? Dreadnoughts have yeah. have been a product of buffs for a long time now. And now we have this super-powered, low-costing behemoth in just any of the dreadnoughts, pick pick any of them. They're all really good. We you know, obviously Chaplain dreadnoughts and Leviathan dreadnoughts were all the rage in Eighth Edition. But those are Forge World units. They're they're supposed to be broken. That's the way Forge World has always been. However, now you've got a dreadnought with minus one to wound. Uh, I believe they dropped down. I think the Contemptor dreadnought down to nine wounds, um, which means it gets to, it gets to benefit from some of the cool extra stuff that they have in there. Uh, obviously. Just being just spamming dreadnoughts, they have the core keyword, so they're able to help each other out. And then you still have things like the librarian dreadnought uh, and other character dreadnoughts that all the other factions had access to. It's just dreadnoughts look 
really, really good. And they shit on Blade Guard veterans, which is which you know is a big bonus. Okay, Dreadnoughts look great. That was my one of my big takeaways. And then you guys, you guys already said Terminators and stuff. That was that was going to be in my other one. Although uh, one little cool note is uh, Scout Bikers. Uh, they get the oh, never mind. Don't worry about it. Don't listen to me. Yeah, Scout really Bikers quick. are still two wounds too. Say that again. Uh, Scout Bikers are two wounds, not three. Okay. Well, I just want to go over what I think is is a little bit overpowered, and I mean, there's not really a way to tell quite yet. Not not you know, in a, in a concise way, but it, it just really does seem like the heavy intercessors are going to be like an omnipresent force in every single space Marine army. Once we realize just how tough they are um, using a unit like that, 20 wounds at tough five, you, you know, the Gravis armor profile and then using transhuman physiology on something that tough with, you know, maybe like a, an apothecary nearby is going to be a brick of a unit to move. It's going to be insane. Um, I'm glad there's lots and lots of other Marines out there because I think that the best way to counter Marines is with more Marines and some of the damage that they're bringing to the table. Um, yeah, I mean, all that being said, I just I'm actually pretty scared being a Chaos player having to go against uh, those Gravis Marines because we don't have any damage three profiles and anything that was in, in our war gear. Do you guys have Thunderhammers now? Uh, one unit can take it. Yeah, chosen. Oh, and then your and then your lord, right? Sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Damage, I thought I thought they just gave everyone thunder hammers. Damage two is definitely going to be much more useful than it was before, simply because literally every space screen that you'll see, because no one's going to take scouts, will have at least two wounds. So you're never going to waste the damage by taking a two damage weapon. So it's still sort of balanced, simply because. Space Marines can't do low body count anymore. It's all two-wound models. So if Marines become super prevalent, everyone else just takes massed two damage or better weapons. I think uh, another thing we're going to see a lot in Space Marines are the Apothecaries. I think oh, they're so good. just getting you know oh a, a stock standard six-up feel no pain in an aura and then being able to make a Master Apothecary and then have the ability to give them a Warlord trait to use the revival stratagem for zero so CP means you can pick like any infantry or biker unit and bring a model back at full wounds with no roll. That is incredibly good. <laughs> Especially if you're uh, going to, you know, use the, the stratagem to bring back one of those ATVs while it's still not FAQ'd, right, Scary? Yep. Eight wounds on <laughs> eight a biker. Wounds. Just instantly uh... get yourself an eight wounded model for free. <laughs> I mean, even, yeah, absolutely. Even getting back a three wound Terminator equivalent is pretty solid. Bravo, playtesters! Right? Am I right? No. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, the, it, it it's really interesting because it this does feel like a tale of two codexes, right? Um, whereas you had your, you know, you kind of like your new age and Dominus, you know, era Space Marine releases, like the Blade Guard veterans, Eradicators, and then kind of towards the end of Eighth Edition, the the buffs to the Space Marine characters, um, and then you have the kind of old guard who were the old Eighth Edition Space Marines, um, like kind of like in that Space Marine summer from a year ago, who got uh, nerfed into the ground, right? In like the Centurion Assault Squads, the Devastator Grav Cannon Amp uh, Doctrine, um, obviously the other stuff that got nerfed in the past. So this does feel like a codex that was heading in two different directions, and then they just got threw it all together into one codex. 
Um, cause you can clearly see where their, where their buffs are happened, where, uh, Either the playtesters or GW or someone said, "Hey, this, this needs to get nerfed," and, and it's clear as day. But then you can also clearly see where um, things fell through the cracks, or uh, maybe maybe uh, there's some delays. So uh, what I'm basically saying is, like in six months, at the way GW is operating right now, I fully expect by the spring FAQ for Blade Guard veterans and for some of these problem units to get looked at and possibly nerfed. Um, not, it's not going to happen in chapter approved. I, I doubt it. Uh, but maybe the spring FAQ. Well done, Pablo. I thought you were about to sidestep that, but you came full circle. Well done. <laughs> I tried. It took a while, but uh, but I got there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love the apothecary. Um, and I want to talk more about Terminators, uh, specifically Deathwing. Um, Inner circle keyword. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? That, that's actually a good segue. Does anyone have anything else to say um, on space, the Space Marine Codex before we move on? Uh, I think overall the 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 community the internet is kind of picking up the slack there because there's so much going on with this codex. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to cover was at least the Dark Angel changes. Oh, we're definitely going to do that. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering why we don't cover both codexes in depth, uh, and that's because generally Chapter Tactics doesn't cover the whole codex. That's something for other. That's something that other content creators like to do. Um, and honestly, they do it a lot better than we can, or than I can, anyways. At any rate, uh, these three are certainly capable of, of having awesome review videos. However, uh, that's just something I've always seen that a lot of people do. And there, you know, there's a ton of resources online for you to f- go and look at codex reviews. So if you're looking for a comp, a, a complete codex review of the Necron or Space Marine codex, I highly re- recommend going to Tabletop Titans or Goonhammer or your favorite YouTube video, your favorite content creator, your favorite blog, uh, maybe Signals from the Front line and uh go there and you know give them give them a like give them a comment subscribe to them um because you're going to find you're going to be able to find a lot of reviews of both of these codexes so uh, we just kind of wanted to give you our good bad and ugly you know quick nuts and bolts review of the two codexes before we moved on um all right Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the october 20 faq update so let's start with the uh the Dark Angels, uh, Brandon. Oh yes, please. Y- you've been talking about this. Well, I-, I was going to do it, but why don't you take it away? So, um, with the new Codex, transhuman physiology only applies to Primaris keyword, which is kind of cool. Um, I guess it's reflecting, you know, Primaris Marines—they're new and scary. But uh, the Inner Circle keyword has. Um, uh, buff associated with it and for those who don't know inner circle applies to all of the um, dark angels characters for the most part um, and it also applies to the deathwing and the deathwing are the terminators um, so inner circle is basically you never take penalties for morale and you always have transhuman physiology turned on so on an unmodified one two or three you will always fail to be wounded and um deathwing knights are looking pretty good i don't know about you guys uh three wounds each uh yes one of fearless uh hitting on twos with uh a new strat they can actually get a bonus attack per model as long as your unit has 10 or more models um yeah they're, they're looking pretty scary to me and the new terminator strat the teleport strike you can remove them at the end of a movement phase and have them come in from deep strike reserves either in your deployment zone or within three inches of a friendly unit and nine uh, inches from enemies. On the next movement phase. Yes. I believe. Yeah. So so you can you can kinda of, it, it does take a full turn. It's not like a complete redeployment deep strike. It's kinda of like the swooping ox thing, but uh it's still really powerful. And Dark Angels well, will still have the ability to 
teleport strike in. So you'll never be able to outmaneuver them completely as long as there's some space marines close to you, number one, number two. With the Ravenwing strats, they can come in six inches away from you as long as a Ravenwing unit's the one that's doing the teleport homing. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, the, you can take a Deathwing Apothecary who also benefits from the Inner Circle rule and uh, teleport with them and give them those massive Apothecary buffs. Uh, so, that, you know, he's able to, if you make him the Chief, chief Apothecary, he's able to bring back multiple models, uh, give them that Feel No Pain bubble. It, it's really, really powerful what you can do with Deathwing Knights. Um, I believe they also got moved, got the three wound treatment as well. Yes. Yeah, that's that is uh, very, 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 very powerful. Oh yeah, well, chaos terminators have combi melted, so fuck you. Mm, take that, take that in uh, Imperium models. <laughs> but uh, as as Peter was saying um, in the in the chapter tactics co-host chat, uh, Dark Angels look really, really good right now. Um, <clears throat> they also got buffed with their. Uh, with their ta- chapter trait, so they they if they I believe if they don't move, they get the ability to uh, it's reroll hit, hit rolls of one or reroll it's some so it, oh plus, plus one, one I'm sorry hit. plus one to, to hit it's better than that it used to be rerolls of one which was garbage because everyone had captains and now it's just right. straight up plus one to hit and in addition to that there are ways to make it so that your unit counts as stationary even though it's yes. not stationary yes and then and uh, also they ignore combat attrition move. which is. Not bad. And they have a strat where uh, you have an aura of I can roll back my combat doctrine by one turn. So expect to see uh, Dark Angel's list built around a heavy weapon spam instead of Deathwing, or possibly with both, where for the first three turns of the game, your death ball is in Devastator Doctrine. Yes. It's it's insane. It's really, really good. Sounds uh, like you're about to drop sisters, Brandon. I don't what know do you think, Brandon? That. My you faith, were a Dark Angels player back in the day. My faith in the Emperor is too strong for that now. Oh. <laughs> the android has become pious. Uh Scary, what do you think about what do you think about Space Marines? Or uh I'm sorry, what do you think about some of the other October 22 FAQ updates? Uh specifically the lack thereof of um for instance, you know, some of the other mo- uh, factions. Well, they were just they basically just brought a lot of the weapons up to to speed. You know, they had talked about giving, you know, things like Plague Brains and Thousand Suns, you know, the extra wound, but that wasn't in this update, so uh eagerly awaiting to see what they do with that sort of thing. Um but yeah, other than that, like it, it was a little underwhelming other than hey, uh, at least if you play, you know, uh one of the chapters of Space Marines that, you know, used to have a codex and doesn't anymore, at least you get to play with your models for now. Right, I think uh, Space Wolves got some really cool updates, like especially with like Thunder Wolves, and Wolfen took a big hit. So that was something that I was not expecting. Um, where Wolfen are definitely not as sturdy as they were before, but uh, so we'll see. Uh, you know, it kind of gives us a good idea of what they're thinking for like the factions moving into Ninth Edition. Uh, you know, because Brandon was talking about Dark Angels being able to modify back to Devastator Doctrine. Well. It's, uh, you know, armies like Blood Angels, Black Templars, you know, have ways to make the doctrine be the assault doctrine. So then you can kind of like speed up the the process to get to get to like you know make sure that you're using your army rules from the like from most of the game, right? Hmm. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh. <clears throat> um. You know, I, I do have some good news for you, Scary. Uh. Dark Eldar power swords did get buffed. Oh my way. goodness. I believe there's strength plus, plus one, one strength. AP3. That's it. Power swords OP. You heard strength it four first. power swords. Yeah. 
story, uh, it really was overwhelming, though, man. I mean, it was kind of like almost insulting in a way seeing the page. I don't know if you guys felt that way, but it was really pretty. There was like, I think, 34 different emblems showing all the new codexes that were going to be, uh, you know, fact and adjusted. And then you open up, I think, half of them, and there was literally nothing in the FAQ that changed at all. I, I just, I felt slighted. I mean, somebody made it look really pretty. They put a big bow on a big hunk of shit. You're talking about the Tau update? <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, why didn't they change the, the, the flamers and the meltas for the poor Tau? Why? Because they're not Imperial flamers and meltas. We're talking about Sparsh Marines right now. I, I would like to say they did change the Eldar flamers, everyone. So... <laughs> Um, Eldar do get a little love there, uh, but, but yeah, balls, it, all day. It, it it is very strange, especially considering the codexes that they announced next coming up. Um, you know those the the they didn't now the codexes that were not helped in this core FAQ um, were not now are not set to be announced next coming out this year. Um, so maybe that means that Tau come out you know early January. Who knows? But uh, it's just it's it is um, not looking great for certain factions playing towards the end of next year right because we're 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 gonna see a chapter approved come out uh in december um i assume so you know we're going to see probably some changes to points um maybe a little extra stuff maybe they'll roll in the extra wounds and stuff oh i really doubt it uh because that chapter approved is already you know it's already been printed you know so this is something that the community can't even no matter how much they complain and karen at gw this is not this is gonna be something that they're not going to be able to influence um so as a matter of fact if you want to influence gws right now and you want to kind of let them know your voice and let them know your opinions they're not going to be able to act on that until the spring faq uh in next year in april so just let them know right now how i feel pablo is that okay yeah james you know what let gw know how you feel right now they listen yeah, I highly doubt they listen, but if they do, just by chance, listen to this. I want them. I want them to know right now that they're fucking up pretty bad. They can they can rectify all this with an instant FAQ on that same Warhammer community page to fix a lot of misgivings that they've had over the last couple of months. I I really don't like the fact that they're going to end up trying to use COVID as an excuse for a shitty release schedule. They always screw up their releases, so I don't want any hemming and hawing about oh well we aren't we're understaffed or whatever else. Come on, they use they're using that as an excuse this time. They they're always late. They always mess things up. Just get somebody to to rewrite a few of these FAQs so that everybody gets a little something, and not everybody has to sit there not second fiddle but third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh fiddle to the Space Marine and Necron codexes. Do something. Help your community. I always find that with uh, the new new editions, especially as they sort of like roll out the releases, you know, personally, I'm like, yes, they've they 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 it's not smooth. Yes, they've messed it up. Then again, I always look at it from the rose-colored glasses of I I played the game 20 years ago where there were no no edition changes or like right. codexes were gone for 13 years. So from my perspective. I'm like living in heaven because I know that my codex is not going to be too far down the corner. Personally, just saying. I mean, I've been playing probably just as long as you. 25 years now of 40k. And you would think that in 25 years they could have accelerated their response a little bit more than they have so far. I'm just saying, I get where you're, I get where you're going with this, Gary. Yeah, I, I am happy that they're that they're you know connecting with their community. However, it, the the 
rate at which that has happened is very underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, so I, I agree with you, James, uh, for the most part. I'm, I'm probably not as, um, I probably don't have as strong opinions and feelings as you do on that subject in particular. Um, but like I said a couple episodes ago, I, I, I really want GW to just come out and, and be a little more transparent. Um, I don't even think necessarily that they have to drop an FAQ quickly. Um, but if, if they gave us like a very specific timetable, um, highlighting the things that they want to fix and, and show that they're at least aware of the problems that, you know, that are happening for, um, codexes and faction lovers that, uh, are getting shafted. If they, if they just said something that they're like, Hey, look, Tau players, we hear you. We know this. We know you're not getting anything, anything in this October 2020 update because XYZ, but hey, we're going to get you something. We know what's up. We're going to take care of you. Just, just something like that. Just, I, I think that would actually go a long way too. And that's something that you would see like a new wave gaming company do something like a riot or uh, Wizards of the Coast, right? They have literal developer blogs that just yep. do exactly that. I mean, they they even have like Trello boards about what they're trying to fix currently in some video games. Yes. Yeah. The thing I will say is what they got most right so far has been the Space Marine update. A little bit of history is that the Space Marine Codex is the first, maybe the first edition, uh, Codex of 8th edition. And it very quickly kind of fell behind all the power level increases. Same with Necrons. And this time around, I feel like they did a beta test for the 9th edition Space Marine Codex last year around this time and yes it was over the top and probably too powerful um just look at the results at lvo but it allowed them to sort of beta test the ninth edition codex and i think create a more polished product so i still think this is a buggy release to use developer terms but i think that they have this idea in mind of last time space marines which are our flagship product was not powerful enough halfway through 8th edition, and that was a problem for our bottom line. Therefore, we're going to make sure that when we release the 9th edition codex, it's going to be powerful for most, if not all, of 9th edition. At least, that's what I think their strategy is, but it's Games Workshop. You never know for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's just, it's like, true. It's sad, but true. You never really know what those guys are thinking. I feel like, um, it's a lot of like, you know, maybe one person starts a, a project and you're like, hey, we're going to do this codex or this release. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm done with that. Here, you take over. And just like, it's like a, it's like a, what do they call that when you, when you do it by, by committee, making rules by committee? Anyways, something like that. It just, it never seems like it's one person sitting down and finishing what they started. Everything's very haphazard. And if you don't believe me, look at the way that, for example, Chaos Space Marines released, just even with their models. Uh, you can't get half the models in the Shadow Spear box. In, in blisters or, or in their own box sets. You have to actually buy Shadow Spear. Like, they never release obliterators in... in or know, suppressors. Like, right. I mean, yeah. same kind of thing. It's It just seems like there's nobody at the helm. Everybody just kind of does what they want. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And we kind of saw that with, like, Warmer Fantasy and the End Times, for instance, where every book felt like it was written by a different author with completely different rules. Um Anyways, uh, I feel like we're getting into the weeds here. Uh, I want to kind of go back, rewind it a little bit, and uh, 
get Brandon's input here. So, Brandon, I want to talk about some factions that were actually helped by these changes that weren't Space Marine factions. So, Sisters, a uh, little bit of Custodes, and Astro Militarum. Uh, those are all, uh, those Sisters and Astro Militarum are two factions that you are uh, really good in and uh, proficient in. How do they look going forward into 9th edition just with this October 2028 update? So first of all, I'm really excited to try out Retributors, thanks to the multi-multi update. Um, Shooting twice as much and having plus two damage when you're in half range is really, really, really good. Um, So I'm also excited that Flamers got an increase in range because Sisters are all about Flamers. Um, And those are the two big changes, I think, for Sisters, unless I'm missing anything. And honestly, they're both big buffs to their infantry. And infantry are my bread and butter for most lists. So I'm super excited about that for sisters because I feel like I don't want to play exorcists as often just from a stylistic choice. So being uh, having the option to bring retributors and have them be somewhat viable now is a big deal, especially when we're talking about the heavy intercessor meta being in half range with a multi-melta that's minimum damage three uh, and AP four uh, from 12 inches away is actually a big deal. Um, especially because you can just outflank anything now. So, yeah, uh, I think that they're adding a lot of toughness to Marines, but I feel like Sisters have the tools to chew through it when they need to. Something else I'll say is in terms of you like Codex's format, I love that they clearly stated what is an aura. Just saying, I think that's great. Oh, yeah, that keyword, the, the keywords in general... Um... Uh, I, I love it. I love that there's more keywords. Um, it, you, it makes a uh, universal rule set a lot easier uh, to look at and to manage from a game design perspective. And yeah, the aura keyword, we all knew what an aura was. And now we can actually, it's, it means that it's something that we can interact with. Before, there were very, very, very few rules that affected auras. Um, they, they were things like, uh, there was, a, I think, a Space Marine Relic that increased your aura by three inches, uh, but it didn't use aura, so it was kind of weird. Um, and there, there was some other stuff that, like, shut off auras and whatnot in 8th edition. But now with ninth edition with the aura keyword, you're able to open up design space around that. And auras are a big part of the game. Uh, I, I would even argue that they make or break certain armies, depending on how good your force multiplying auras are. So I love that, and that's something that I suggested that GW do, uh, I think, almost a year ago on, on an episode of Chapter Tactics. Um, I think it was the one where we talked about uh, game design and c- kind of like game design philosophy and stuff like that. So super good. I, I like that change. All right. Uh, Brandon, do you have anything else to add? Yeah. I mean, for Guard, it's pretty much the same idea. I mean, uh, there had been a fact to make the Demolisher Cannon a blast weapon that shoots D6 times. Now it's official um, again. Um, but Again, multi-meltas. I'm just super in love with these right now because of the meta and having minimum damage three is so powerful. It's just that when I look in the guard codex, um, not very many units can actually take multi-meltas. You can take them as sponsons on Layman Russ, and you can take them as hull weapons on Hellhounds uh, or Devil Dogs, as the need may be. But that's about it. Uh, You used to be able to take multi-meltas on Sentinels, but unless there's a forge world option for that, you can't do that anymore. Um, so I know there's an Elysian drop Sentinel that has multi-meltas, but maybe it has to be Elysians. I don't know, but a little disappointed by that. Um, but I do think that you might see a return to multi-melta sponsons on tank commanders, especially if they have the, um, 
plus six inch range to heavy weapons. 30 inch range multi-meltas at half range do three damage is pretty good. Um, so we'll see. Um, my only thing is a lot of these units that are going to be taking these weapons, it's going to be really nice to outflank them. Like I mentioned, retributors. And in the case of tanks, um, layman Russ outflanking, uh, they don't shoot their turret weapon twice. They only shoot it once. And there's no strat anymore that you can give tanks to make them shoot twice when they come in from reserve for command points. So that leaves the devil dog. And I'm not sure that the devil dog is relevant, even with the buff to multi-meltas with a hull multi-melta. Uh, the only other really thing, cool thing, I think uh, double heavy flamer chimeras are actually a totally reasonable choice now with 12 inch range. Just because for one CP, it's totally reasonable to overwatch with 2d6 heavy flamer hits. Um, on some of these small units that would want to tie up Chimeras, and the 12-inch range makes it so that they can move forward their full distance and have a 24-inch threat range. So it, it, they're totally reasonable changes for Guard and Sisters, just like everyone else, but I think it's benefiting Sisters a bit more because they had more access and more reliance on Multimeltas, and Multimeltas doing literally twice as much damage is a big deal. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks, Brandon. Uh, do either of you have anything else to add about the October 2020 FAQ update, or should we move on to the final segment of the podcast? Um, I mean, uh, as far as chaos is concerned, we really didn't get any like major changes in our award year or anything from the FAQ. Uh, I think the Reaper Auto Cannon went to AP2. Um, there's uh, a Stardust Chain Swords now for a lot of the units, which is a big deal for things like Corn Berserkers, but um, unless you're really dedicating an army to making those kinds of units work, they're not going to be super impactful, especially not until we get our extra wound. Um, hopefully sometime soon. Not holding my breath, though. That's pretty much all I got to report for Chaos. Mm. Yeah, um, it I might be interesting to see, you know, because the Death Guard Codex is coming out this year. Uh, it might be interesting if they just rolled in the all of those wounds uh, into that FAQ and you had, like, a Chaos-focused FAQ, um, which honestly feels like what GW would do. Um, but it, that's just speculation. I, I don't know if that'll happen or not, but it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that uh, going forward. Now, I, I want to talk about the ninth edition Kodak. Actually, we're going to go to commercial break starting now. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. 
All right, and we're back. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, 9th edition Codex formula. Now, as I understand it, the Codex formula is uh, essentially it's this. You you get changes to units that were worse. Uh, more units, especially worse units, do get extra little keywords that they weren't, they didn't have before. They do change little tiny things. Um, the, they will bring more weapons in line uh, to make them, you know, l- less random, uh, more efficient, uh, the, you know, they have they look like they've been buffing more units than nerfing them so for your ninth edition codex that's something to look forward to already uh, on top of that uh everyone seems to be getting the um build your own adventure kind of uh cool chapters um that you get to use so those those can be really good uh and then there also seems to be kind of a shift towards uh character characters and making characters cool and unique uh obviously we saw that with the space marines with your chief apothecaries and their master tech marines but now even with necrons you get you got those cryptics that you can make um you know each of them make your own custom thing and then they also released a lot of necron character models as well as updating some of the older ones so i think that going forward i think that's something that we're going to see as a trend continue uh is there anything, there's one other thing that I'm going to talk about, uh, but in general, so far, am I spot on? Is there anything else that maybe I'm missing? Seems pretty spot on. Okay, great. So, I want to talk about secondary objectives, because this was the very first thing I looked up in both codexes as soon as I got my hands on them. Because I I was, it, it, secondary objectives are going to be a core part of how we play 9th edition competitively. So from a competitive 40k standpoint, obviously the buffs and nerfs are going to change, but units are a carousel. They're constantly going around, cycling in and out of favor, ebbing and flowing. Some units are good, some units are bad, some factions are good, some factions are bad, but the thing that remains steady throughout an entire edition is generally the rule set. 8th edition's competitive 40k in 8th edition was defined by the ITC champions missions. And more people use the ITC Champions missions than all the other missions in previous editions. That's just a fact. Just looking at the number of the people in the ITC compared to what what you what we kind of look at with the overall community competitive community as a whole, uh, the ITC Champions missions were used a lot. Um, they, obviously, they weren't used by the average 40k player, but I'm specifically talking about competitive 40k. And so, with GW moving to take over the mantle of uh, establishing a tournament rule set, everything they do to that core rule set uh, is important. And I'm looking at it with kind of like uh, under a magnifying glass, so the the Hawkeye. So uh, first off, uh, one quick note, the Necrons, they got four secondary objectives, um, one in No Mercy, No Mercy Spite, two in Battlefield Supremacy, and one in Shadow Operations. And Space Marines only got three. So it feels... To me, like they're they're kind of just adding what they think the army needs, or what versus giving everyone three really generic ones, and they are all different. So for uh, we're gonna briefly go over the Necron ones. Um, the first one is No Mercy No Sprites Code of Combat. Uh, this one's actually really powerful. It's just you get three victory points at the end of the battle for every enemy that was destroyed by a Necron Noble for each enemy unit that was destroyed by Necron Noble from your army. So every time your character uh, kills a unit. That's three points guaranteed. Uh, I believe the Sarakan, the Silent King, I believe he's a noble. I'm like 90% sure he's a noble. If he's not, it's, it's a little strange. Um, 
but you know just uh, think about how many char- think about how many units a a character can kill in a normal codex right they're really powerful especially if you gear them to kill things uh and he is a noble okay cool so just the silent king you could easily see picking up for four three kills in a game right and then your other noble just has to pick up one somewhere maybe just a lone scout or or whatever um but it's it's the first kind of pure just kill units uh secondary objective that we've seen it's very very simple it is of course limited to a unit in this case the necrons with the noble keyword but you're going to be taking those anyways in the necron codex and so i really like this i think it sets a good precedent moving forward and if we're being honest the no mercy no respite secondaries in the general mission book were not great people weren't really taking them uh they they were situational some of them were really good in certain situations but this is one i think you could actually take in all situations uh cross board especially if you build your army for it um what do you guys think about that well i think that they are definitely not like you know that like all secondaries i think they follow the same trend that we're seeing some are good some are not so good you know what i mean so i think as time goes and codexes get developed we'll probably see ones that make more sense to the missions i guess uh, and I feel that it's going to be a matter of time before, you know, people sort of like categorize them between which ones are like auto takes and which ones are like never takes. Right. So and and then sadly, and there's, unless, you know, the dynamics of the game change or they are willing to change the wording on some of these secondaries, I feel like some of them are just never going to be seen at a competitive level. That's fair. Uh... The thing I'll add to that. I think it's totally fine if the vast majority of these never see the light of day, because if the codex secondaries are always better than the main rulebook secondaries, um, there's a danger of it becoming a runaway situation where everyone's being balanced around the main rulebook secondaries, but no one ever takes them. They take their own codex. So now the power level for all the different factions and their secondaries is all over the place. So by having more unified secondaries or unified power level secondaries, it's easier to balance the game. Yeah, that that's fair. I, I, I think um, I'm kind of between both of you. I do think that the more objectives GW adds to the game, uh, the kind of the more balanced, the better they're going to be. Uh, and we are going to see the ones that people can't take or, or or won't take because they're bad just kind of just fall off the wayside and become irrelevant but that'll be okay because everyone will have more options um but to finish off the necrons uh secondary objectives they got purge vermin which is you score two victory points at the end of your turn for each table quarter that does not have enemy units wholly within it which i think is really cool that's a really unique one uh you score it at the end of your turn so you get um you get this kind of uh, agency o- over how to score it. You and then it doesn't count enemy units that are that are not wholly within it. So that does limit your um, opponent's ability to hold quarters. And then it also just count. You also get sometimes you'll just get points for free. Um, you'll get two points just for keeping your keeping enemies out of your uh, your deployment zone, your deployment's uh, square, your table quarter. Um, every for your turn for your deployment zone uh, and then there will naturally be table quarters that just never get filled up because that's not where the fighting is and so that's like a free two points now you don't you can't score this in the first battle round uh but towards like the end of the game when there's not a lot of models left i could see you getting six eight points um in two turns easily 
uh, just over, you know, turn four and turn five when there's not a lot of units left, um, which could be big because you max out at 15. Uh, then you've got Charger of Aeons, uh, your opponent picks three objectives, and then at the uh, end of the turn, you get points based off of holding the objectives. That's kind of all right. And then Shadow Operations, that's Ancient Machineries. You just pick three objectives in no man's land, and uh, you get you have to perform actions to score points on them. Um, you score three points. picking objectives, I think. It's like you pick your you pick one, your opponent picks one. Yeah, yeah. You pick one. It, it, yeah, yeah. It's you. You alternate picking three objectives, and if there's not three, then you alternate. And if there's only one in no man's land, then you just that one just becomes an ancient machinery objective. And then uh, you, you use your core uh, or Necron Canaptic units to perform actions on it for three points. I personally am not a fan of uh, things that allow my opponent to pick things for me, but that's just me. yeah. I agree. Um, the The reason why I wanted to highlight the Necrons specifically is they brought a really cool rule for no mercy, no respite. Um, <clears throat> and then I, I really liked Battlefield Supremacy too. Uh, I really liked that style of secondary objective. All right. Let's talk about the Space Marine ones and then we'll we'll kind of talk about, you know, what we want to see going forward. Maybe which ones we'll take. So Space Marine ones, you get Purge the Enemy. This one is really bad. You get points based off of uh, units that kill things in their specific doctrine. So you get one point if a unit kills. Uh, uh, if one of your unit, if if one of your units destroys an enemy unit with a heavy or grenade weapon in the Devastator doctrine, uh, then you get a point for uh, killing a unit in the Tactical doctrine with a rapid fire assault weapon, and then for the assault doctrine, you get one point for killing an enemy unit with a pistol or melee weapon. Uh, you only get one point when you do this, so you have to kill 15 of your opponent's units already to max out. And then on top of that, you have to do it in very, very specific turns with very specific weapons. Um, it's really bad. It, I get it. I get that it's super fluffy and flavorful. They probably could have up, upgraded it to two points, and then it would have been a little better. Um, this one's really bad. Uh Battlefield Supremacy, you just you score three victory points if you control uh, one or more objectives that were controlled by your opponent at the start of the battle round. Um, so uh, at, this happens at the end of the battle round. So the reason why I want to talk about this one is it goes into the idea of going second having an advantage over going first because you score it at the end of the battle round. So if you go second, your opponent can't respond before you score. Therefore, you can clear an objective that they're on and then take it, which is something Space Marines are very good at already. They take the middle of the board and they do easily take objectives away from opponents. And then you get three points for that, which is which is really cool. Uh, you can start scoring that on turn one. And uh, it ha- happens at the end of the battle round. So like I said, it helps out secondaries. I want to see more objectives like that. And then finally, I think the best one, uh, at least according to Goonhammer, and I agree with them, is the Oaths of Moment, which is also a no mercy, no respite objective. And that's uh, you score victory points at the end of each battle round for achieving specific actions or oaths. Uh, you score one victory point if uh, one of your char- if a if you killed a character, vehicle, or monster with one of your units during uh, specifically one of your space units during that battle round. Uh, you also get one point for uh, not having failed a morale test, which is almost a free one point um, for Space Marines, if you think about it, just because if you play an MSU style, you're never going to fail morale test. And then finally, you get two points um, at the end of the battle round if a Space Marine unit from Armies Holy within six inches of the center of the battlefield. That one's also really good. Um, this this one's clearly the best one. It's almost a, three, a free three points 
uh, every yeah, turn. Pablo, that one's a little unbalanced simply because if you're Dark Angels, you pretty much can't fail morale anyway if your army's all yeah. in a circle. <laughs> you're literally never failing morale. So just getting, that's a free five points, and then all you have to do is is have units within Holy, the center of the board. I was about to uh, make a snarky comment about how they, you know, balanced the Space Brain Codex was giving them shitty uh, secondaries, but then you told me that one, and then that one on its head. Yeah, and and really, really for your codex uh, coming in the future, so like Death Guard, Tau, uh, codexes in the future, you, you're only going to need one or two good ones to really help you out in ninth edition because uh, you only pick three secondaries, and if you build your list correctly around a secondary objective, you should theoretically be trying to maximize it. Uh, and so th- that's super interesting. So. Um, opening the floor to you all, what are some of secondary objectives, what are some pitfalls that you see happening with this? Uh, and what do you kind of want to see out of secondary objectives for your favorite faction? Pitfalls of the specific space ring secondaries? That you just just pitfalls with having customized or having secondary objectives for each faction, right? Because obviously the Tau one is going to be different than the Death Guard one, which is going to be different than the you know the Necron one, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, however, if the trend is you get one or two bad ones and then one or two really good ones. Is that good or is that bad? Uh, you know, does it depend on the objective? Do, does every army handle it differently? I'm just kind of curious for your thoughts on on uh, your favorite armies getting secondary objectives and what you kind of want to see out of that. So this is from the perspective of like back in the day when we played Maelstrom cards. Ooh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. at like, uh, for example, the WTC or the ETC. We had, you know, uh, that uh, for a long time, faction-specific cards were banned, and you had to use like the generic um, arm, like rule cards, because some of the cards were incredibly easy to score points with for some factions, and some cards were just terrible for other factions. I think you kind of get that same thing. Like, you know, at least if we have the same GT book and you've got uh, the same list, like you can kind of build your army around or whatever. But then if you have like your codex and it comes out. And you might have one good secondary, but your one good secondary will get you 10 points. Where you look at the Marine secondary, and their one good secondary will get you, will get them 15 points. There's instantly a discrepancy between how many points you're able to score in the game. And I think that can be dangerous, especially, well, not dangerous, it can kind of lead to like feel bad these moments where the game's really close and everything's going like you're tooth and nail fighting, and it comes down to the fact that. You know, one army had a secondary that could pick 15 secondary points because it was easy, and the other one was only 10, right? So I think as long as there's sort of like a something that helps limit that or a balancing factor for that, I love the fact that there are like faction-specific secondaries, and maybe that'll help sort of balance the way some armies play on the tabletop. So I'm curious to see how it pans out over time. Um, you know, Peter the Falcon will probably give us some great stats later in the edition when we see who's picking what secondaries, which secondaries are being scored, like that sort of thing. I think it'll be great to see it. As for my favorite, I hope uh, for the Dark Eldar, Drukari, they make something to do with like, you know, you know, taking captives back to the Dark City, like killing units in close combat or dragging them away or something like that. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah, that's all really cool stuff. I, I, I agree with you completely that I think that, you know, certain certain factions um, having, you know, ways to score 
multiple secondaries at the same time could be a huge pitfall. Like imagine right now with just the standard secondaries, there's a lot of stuff you can kind of double time with like a large unit in the center of the table can, you know, effectively uh, score um, primary points while at the same time scoring on secondaries. I think that where you're going to end up hitting kind of a, a weird line is if that same unit that's doing all that scoring is also going to be scoring really easy stuff from its own codex. And there there might need to be some kind of like limitation on how many points you can score from, you know, codex specific secondary missions. You know, maybe maybe not make it a max of 15, maybe only like a max of 12 or something, because they, they are, after all, going to be geared toward the army that, you know, uh, that it, well, that you're using. Yeah, the thing I'll say from a game design perspective is we want to avoid exactly the scenario Scarry was talking about, where it's like, your codex has better secondaries than mine. Therefore, even if our armies are balanced on the table, you're still going to win more often because your secondaries are more guaranteed. We want to avoid that. And the easiest way is to just make it so that the main codex secondaries are almost always better than the ones in your codex in most situations. And um, in my mind, from a game design perspective, I'd say... Uh, don't make too many faction-specific secondaries that are actually good. It's okay if most of the time they're bad, as long as they're fun and flavorful and reward a playstyle that's fun to play. So, uh, for example, you might have a playstyle that rewards taking lots of layman rust tanks and performing objectives with them to make an armored company list. Is it always going to be taken? No. Is it necessarily better than the ones in the main codex? Maybe not, because it's forcing you to play a certain game style. But if you err on the safe side with the codex ones and you keep them more on the funsy side than the, wow, this is really powerful side, then I think that you'll lead to some fun gameplay without leading to those feel-bad situations where it's like, well, your secondary is super easy, so I guess I lose. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I like the idea of secondaries highlighting very specific units. Uh, like the Necron Noble one. Um, I feel like that one. I feel like that one feels that really one good. That feels cool and uh, dangerous because you're throwing your characters into combat, and your opponent, if they kill your characters, you can't score it anymore. Yeah, yeah, but uh, ones like that Space Marine one where you score one free point, uh, essentially, uh, like if you're a Dark Angels player, uh, I think they should avoid ones like that. Um, I I don't know how, cause, because holding the center of the board at the end of the battle round is difficult to do for that two points and you will need to score that two points to max out on that objective so i don't know how hard that is but it doesn't feel hard right like if you look at like a a 10-man deathwing terminator squad moving into the center of the board and holding it with a bunch of space marine dark angels guys just shooting around them eradicators and maybe ravenwing if you're feeling spice and you've got azrael and you've got tough characters you've got the justicar making things attack last it it feels like a scrum in the center of the board that the dark angels are going to win so that secondary for dark angels at least feels like an easy out yeah at that point you just need to kill one character a monster or vehicle and you max out on that secondary as long as you hold the center of the board but if if it, let's say it's a lot harder than that like let's say something comes out that beats deathwing knights in close combat every time and forces them out of the center of the board, maybe all of a sudden that that secondary doesn't become very good. So who knows? Uh, I don't think GW has that kind of foresight to be able to have, to have thought about that question and then answered it. So, uh, you know, I don't know which direction that's going to go because it's GW. Um, but I do hope that maybe it doesn't turn out to be an issue. Uh, and 
certainly looking at all of these secondary objectives, I don't think any of them is necessarily, you know, game breaking. Um, you know, I think they yeah. have more potential for game breaking ones. Uh, and I think overall, the majority of the good ones are more interesting than game breaking. But um, I don't know. And obviously, you know, that's what the caveat that the Dark Angels one feels. I just don't know how it's going to perform on the field, basically. But it does feel close. The closest to being game breaking is all of them. I mean, GW has a hard time just getting the rules right to begin with. I mean, the implications of, of these very complicated scoring conditions, I think, is really hard to rein in, even even at, uh, you know, with, with lots and lots of, of test games. It's going to be weird. I'm, I'm sure that at some point in some codex, there'll be some auto takes. It'll be really unfortunate if there's more than one auto take mission in these uh, in these codexes, though, because then you're just going to have people getting railroaded. Yeah. And that is also true as well, right? Uh, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I I think Brandon, I think you're right. I uh, they they have to work hard to not make the second the objectives in the core rulebook obsolete, uh, and they should still make it very difficult to score points. And they're still 50. thematic, like you mentioned, taking slaves. Well, the new Reaper replacement, where you get points for killing models, that's like, oh, I need as many bodies as possible for Cormora, or for my sister's army, I need to consecrate this objective quote-unquote raising banners to get points on it so you can make it thematic if you want it to be for your specific army yeah absolutely uh, all right uh now let's talk about the rest of the ninth edition codex treatment uh now characters look like they're going to be a core part of a uh, core important part of ninth edition um as i mentioned earlier do you think this is a direction gw should take uh specifically because they did nerf characters obviously characters were really powerful in eighth edition as well uh ninth edition they're not as powerful but they are more important um you know there are more of them they're getting more cool unique rules even with the necrons and i don't see that trend changing anytime soon uh, considering death guard are on the horizon and death guard have a ton of characters so uh kind of a question of the panel, uh, this direction of taking characters and making them more cool and customizable and unique in 9th edition, is that good or is that bad? That's How always good. Customization is always a cool thing because it lets you interact with the, the rules and the models in a way that you aren't normally able to. So yeah, I think it's really cool when you have this like master apothecary, or, like master uh, 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 tech marine, things like that. It's really cool. You can kind of like pick the way that they, that they interact with the game. Um, I play chaos, so we've always been like super character heavy. I can't wait to see some of the cool stuff that maybe like a, I don't know, like a warp smith would get, or or a, uh, a the chaos lieutenant's called uh, exalted champion. I, I'm really excited to see what they do for all these characters. I hope it's I hope it's going to be meaningful as the ones in in the marine book. I'm sure they will, James. My only concern is when you give options, there has to be a reason to take both. And right now, in the change we previewed for the Super Apothecary, there's no reason to ever take the regular Apothecary. You always take the Super one, because they're that much better. I I think they rolled into... So I think they kind of are fixing this, and I don't know if they have or not, but they did make more of the options that you would have access to cost points instead of command points. Right, so if you want to take like a chief apothecary, he costs more points. Or like if you want to give him points, Pablo, but then you're like bringing back seventy points, fifty points, thirty points. You <laughs> know I mean, like that's, for that's free. Fair. You know I mean, like that's that adds up over the course of the game. I played this little game, and literally, there's like eradicator came back. Well, there's that many points. You know, you know, like it's crazy how it adds up. But yes, yeah, so- I, I agree, with Brandon. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%, Scary. Um, but maybe what that means is that it it becomes a thing that they can nerf. So maybe in chapter approved or, or in the future, maybe they buff the chief apothecary to be 50 points and to cost 50 more points than a normal apothecary. <laughs> That's a great or business 100, plan. I don't know. You know what we should do? We should make things so good, it just forces us to nerf them all yeah, the time. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> best in the MO. <laughs> uh... But... But yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely do agree there. Um, I was just kind of saying like it, that's kind of the direction it feels like they're going is the they're trying to control the that ability to uh, give you more options where one is more viable than the other through points costs, which um, I kind of actually agree with. But we'll see how it turns out in practice. Uh, all right, uh, any any other thoughts there about characters? I like the fact that characters don't have easy access to rerolls anymore. I think that's that's actually really good. You know, it means that you have like some of the best weapons and war gear, like especially on space ring characters, but like, you know, six thunder hammer attacks and all this stuff or whatever you used to put them in. But at least you're not getting like, you know, reroll hits all the time. Like if you have a chapter master, he could pick a character to do it, but it's only like one unit or one model. And I feel that it's going to be a good balance between, hey, you know, it's you're not going to just be able to rely on this crazy Smash Captain guy to go in and solve all your problems. You're going to have to think a little bit more to get the job done in-game. It also makes the game go a lot more quickly. Picking up rerolls was, I mean, probably, what, a third of your game. Yeah, master having an entire Salamander's Army shoot with Master Artisans being that Salamander's Army... Um, I can say from experience, it takes a lot of time. Agreed. Um, it was one of the better buffs in the uh, Sisters update was they got rid of, or um, no, actually, I'm misquoting here. The Sisters um, ability that allows them to roll on a five up, you get to attack when you die. No one ever takes it because it takes too long to resolve. So the more they get rid of those, the better. Hmm. All right. Now, are there any other changes with the ninth edition formula that kind of excite you or you kind of disagree with uh, that you see trending in the codexes before we move on to the conclusion of the show? Huge bonus, huge change. I love how they're doing the new points in the back, how they've laid it out, where it's like point per model with their base war gear sort of included in the base point cost. And then the options that they're available with like each point cost separated so that you're not flipping through 50 different pages to try and find what a freaking bolt pistol costs. Um, you know, that sort of thing. I love it. I think that that is great. It, it makes list building so much easier. Of course, we'll use apps, but still, whatever. Like, if you like writing stuff down on a pen and paper, I think that's one of my favorite changes. Uh, overall, I'd say the trend in the codex building has been wonderful. Um, they're apparently trying to move away from creating invincible death balls. Um, I hope that ends up being what happens. Um, but it looks like we're moving more towards MSU or infantry or core unit based armies. And I'm excited about that because it's more about the core units and then the other units that aren't core are more of a, an enhancement, not the entire army. So triple repulsor executioner, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to piggyback what Brandon just said. Like I'm, I'm so sick of seeing the same kind of like, like fire base lists that just take no skill to run. Like you actually have to get out there and get dirty with the rest of us. Now you got to get on top of objectives. Got to lay your dick out there to get slapped sometimes. And that's half the fun, man, is that you get to get out there and, 
you know, trade blows with somebody. I know that all sounded vaguely sexual, but maybe that's just how I see the game, Pablo. I love it. I love the enthusiasm there. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and conclude the episode there. Um, going to go ahead and open the floor to the patrons. So if you haven't already like subscribe, comment on YouTube, that helps us out a lot. And if you feel like helping out the podcast more, head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics and consider giving us a little donation, a little, a uh, little patronage, if you will. Uh, patrons do get access to the discord, the Facebook group. Uh, they get also get to ask us questions that we answer live at the end of every episode. And they also get cool, awesome prizes. Um, I didn't do a giveaway for last month. I do apologize. Uh, there was a specific issue with the giveaway I had planned. And then anyways, I'm going to make it up to you. I try to every time. Um, uh, anyway, so we're going to try and make it up to the patrons. However, you do get awesome giveaways. Last year, I did give away a plane ticket ride, um, which uh, COVID had a say in. However, uh, the winner of that that particular prize um, is waiting patiently for his plane ticket to whatever event, whenever events open up. Um, but we do awesome prizes and giveaways, and we're going to go ahead and start with the patron questions. So uh, we're going to, like I said, you if you sign up for patrons, patrons get to ask us questions. They answer live at the end of every episode. Uh, these patrons usually pertain to the topic on the episode, but not always. Sometimes they're just, you know, list advice or whatever as well. So patron Paul wants to know, after practicing a lot with their new rules, I think Necron Warrior, Blobs, and Tomb Blades have a lot of play competitively. Does anyone on the panel have any similar thoughts? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, a hundred percent. The uh like the Necron Warrior units in, in you know groups of twenty is gonna be everywhere. So good. It's um, it, yeah. And two blades were already pretty good. They didn't get changed much. So uh, you know, they got the were co- they got the core keyword. Super yeah, important they, to remember. They, got the kill. they are core, so they can come back to life and they get rerolls and stuff, so that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> patron Matt wants to know, uh, with maybe a little hyperbole, a uh, hand flamer is going to 12 inches as well. Are Gene Sealer Colt top tier? Poor, poor GSC. Uh, I guess sisters are <laughs> top tier at that point. Ooh. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, we'll all be looking down in the sewers. Oh, <laughs> I, I think, I, I mean, it's definitely a buff. Uh, Acolytes, you know, being able to come out and, uh, be able to hand flamer turn you know the turn they come out um that is a lot of hand flamers i have literally seen those things uh kill you know knights um i believe uh james atc last year junior had something to say about uh hand flamers killing knights uh so you know it, it is a lot of damage um so we'll, we'll see although it definitely doesn't make them top tier uh, <laughs> uh patron kelsey wants to know since all the books that are coming out for the rest of the year have been spoiled death guard uh, Death Watch, Blood Angels, etc. What do you think the LVO 2021 meta will look like? Also, how the hell did GW forget all the Xenos versions of Melton stuff, um, which we can skip? We already talked about that. So, what's the LVO 2021 meta going to look like? Uh, still gentlemen? way too early to tell. Space Marines. I'm predicting Space Marines. If nothing changes, it's going to be 50% Marines. Yes. Across four out of the eight, top eight are going to be Space Marines. Um, but it also depends on what Team Brohammer brings. Um, as well. But anyways, which is probably going to be White Scars. <laughs> uh, patron Tim wants to know, do you think that my wonderful collection of Terminators will finally start seeing the table again with adjustments to their weapons or units will bla- like Bladeguard will keep just remain too efficient to not take instead? If they're Dark Angels Take them in addition to. Take them. 
I think yeah, that's something to be said for Lightning Claw Assault, uh, White Scar Lightning Claw Terminators oh, yeah. with a million attacks. I mean, Terminators across the board got buffed. So, you know, it, and even though Dark Angels are really good, they're not going to be the only Space Marine army that people take. Uh, people are going to take, you know, they're still going to stick to their White Scars, their Sal- maybe not their Salamanders, but uh, their White Scars, their Ultramarines, you know, their Blood Angels, Space Wolves. Those are all still stick around. So you'll definitely see varied Terminators, but Deathwing Terminators are probably going to be the majority. Deathwing Terminators and Blade Guard veterans. Uh, all right. Well, Peter the Falcon, stop his eternal hatred of Dark Angels. Uh, only Peter can answer that. And uh, he did. He said, this makes me hate them more. Peter, love you, buddy. For those of you who don't know, he's actually a secret huge Dark Angel fan. Patron Nathaniel wants to know, so it looks like we might be seeing some Dark Angel supremacy coming up. Will they dethrone White Scars and Salamanders through sheer unadulterated stubbornness um, as the best Space Marine faction? Seems like I think historically, has... I think ahead, historically we've uh, given them a bad rep here on the on the on the podcast. I'm pretty sure. However, yes. I think we can all say that they will be the best Chaos faction. <laughs> yeah. That's not that hard to do, though, so... I do think that uh, White Scars really haven't gone down in power level much. and If anything, they're probably a little better. So White Scars are still up there. Salamanders got nerfed a little bit, but the Meltastrats are still there. So, yeah, there's other Space Marine chapters that you're still going to see, but uh, you're going to see a lot more good players playing Dark Angels. As long as you don't bring in Trump Pod, you should be okay against the White Scars. Yeah, I, I definitely see good players gravitating towards White Scars and Blood Angels as well as Dark Angels. Um, you know, the, those armies have traditionally been really good as well, and they didn't get nerfed really. So, but we'll see. But yeah, I, I mean, Dark Angels, especially you know Deathwing Knights, the Dark Vengeance kit from Seventh Edition is one of the most oversold, overprinted garbage starter kits that GW has ever put out. And I know because I've run the secondhand store through Frontline Gaming, so I literally cannot sell the Dark Angels models from that kit for free. Like I can't give them away. The Marines don't sell for very much. The anyways, so there's a lot of. Well, my point is, is, there's a lot of just random Deathwing Terminator models just sitting in the secondhand market on eBay for like two bucks a model. Like, absurdly cheap. Painted terribly. But, they're all Deathwing. They, they all count. They're, they're Dark Angels Terminators. Maybe they're not Deathwing. Maybe they're Dark Angels Terminators. They look Dark Angel-y enough to be Deathwing, and I guarantee you people are going to be buying those up, as well as, you know, just Deathwing boxes in general. Um, speaking of, if you see Deathwing Terminators in GW in the web cart right now, buy them, because I guarantee you, over the next couple days, they're going to sold out. If they haven't sold out already... And then resell uh, them on eBay for a uh, crazy amount of money. Yep, yep. Uh, not not that I would know anything about that at all. Uh, all right. Uh, Patron Nick wants to know, what type of Necron army appears to be best positioned for success? Is it hordes of infantry or vehicle heavy lists? Um, in my personal opinion, Nick, uh, I think that we're probably going to see two or three armies come out on top. Um, I really like the idea of the Tesseract Vault coming back because they, it did get that points decrease and it did get buff, uh, a really big buff. Um, so I do like the idea of, of people gravitating towards like Tesseract vaults, um, like the old old 8th edition lists. Um, obviously, Necron Warrior spam is really powerful, backed by, you know, Satan and the Silent King and, you know, some of the other really cool characters in there along with Tomb Blades. 
Um, and then you have tricksy stuff as well. Um, so I think, I think those two lists, I think we'll probably see. Um, and then there's also, if you watch the tabletop Titans live stream today on Monday, the 10th or the 5th of October, uh, they talked about another kind of style of list with the, uh, the, the clan or the dynasty that gives you, I think it's plus one attack on the charge. And then it's the close combat one. Um, I'm trying, I can't remember their names, but um, so we might see that too. We might see some close combat Nectrons. Uh, you see, you know, things like Lich Guard all of a sudden getting like four attacks with an extra AP on the charge, um, which is really, really good. Uh, cause then they can go, you know, toe to toe with Blade Guard veterans and stuff with reanimation protocols. So, uh, we'll see. Anyone have anything else to add to that? Nope. I didn't think so. A patron John wants to know, has anyone on the panel ever tried using tabletop simulator to practice things like deploying or screening and zoning? zoning to see how the armor list could perform in that situation. I believe everyone but me on the podcast has used tabletop yes. simulator regularly. Yes, yes definitely. Especially 100%. for coaching clients uh, during the art of war and during the pandemic, you know, where going out and playing games isn't as easy. Um, yeah, tabletop simulator has been a great, great tool. There's also some good tutorials out there on how to set it up and how to get your game going and stuff like that. So uh, always feel free to reach out and uh, and uh, ask. And there's a great uh, series like tact- Tactical Tortoise. There's always running pods of like people playing games on a consistent basis, like a league style. So there's a big community of people out there playing and using TTS as a tool, especially right now during the pandemic. Yeah, man. Honestly, there really is something to be said about actually putting an army down on a table to see how it even looks. Um, you know, as you as you deploy, I mean, you get a you get a much better idea of the way that it occupies space, and that 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 is actually a really big deal. <laughs> yeah, I I do agree with that. There are definitely just the ability to, as James said, the ability to re rack with just a button. And then redeploy it sounds sounds like it'd be super useful. Um, all right, patron Dan wants to know: As a Dark Angels player since sixth edition, am I justified in my utter excitement with the new rules? Yes, do a backflip. Yep, scream scream with joy, like you said. Um, patron Shay wants to know: Someone who's in the process of painting up a hundred Indominus Necron warriors. I'm curious what the host's thoughts are on warrior spam. We've already kind of given our thoughts on that. Um, yeah, you might not need to paint all a hundred of them, but you're probably going to need a lot of that hundred if you want to play that list at least 40 uh and then actually i think when we haven't answered before what are the host's thoughts on the viability of blood claws versus assault intercessors now in space wolves um do we paint these 15 blood claws or do i go to assault intercessors i i don't know because blood claws also got the two wound treatment right they did blood claws did indeed get two wounds um, which is uh, just showing why Space Wolf uh, recruits are better than uh, normal Space Marine recruits. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think you probably go with the cheaper option there. Um, so Blood Claws. Uh, you know, it also depends on your list. But I think in Space Wolf's instances, I think you always want to take the Blood Claws at that point. Um, unless you're trying to go with Assault Intercessors because they're Intercessors? I don't know. I don't. I'm not familiar enough with both. Unfortunately, I'm not familiar no. enough with. I don't. What I don't think blood claws get. have the same weapon skill. Is that right? Uh, they don't. Maybe they don't hit as hard. If you That's give me two fair. minutes while you talk, I'll find out. Yeah. So um, the the cool thing about assault intercessors is that they look really pretty. Um, you get to buy them in that easy to build paint kit, which is relatively cheap. 
Um, they also have the fight again stratagem. Just yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, we missed that before. Is that the only uh, unit in, in the Space Marine Codex that can use that fight again stratagem is the Assault Intercessors. Yes. So th- that might be a reason to bring them. Um, on paper, I think I think it depends on your list still. Uh, but maybe like maybe bring like uh, one unit of Tennisol Intercessors and then a couple units of Min Blood Claws. Just because, you know, Blood Claws put out a lot of attacks for uh, not a lot of points. So, anyways, um, we're going to answer the next question while Skari looks that up. Um, <laughs> uh, patron Devin wants to know, as it appears 50% of the hobby is feeling the salt, what is the best overreaction due to rules previews, and why is it what killed Ninth edition? It's overreaction Monday here on Chapter Tactics. Why is Ninth Edition dead? James. Because GW can't release anything in a an order that actually makes sense. And they prove that time and time again. It's just really simple. Just put your entire game out all at once. God damn it. Because uh it was perfectly balanced before this update. Uh, I'm gonna say because GW's app is still not great yet and it's been a while. Damn it. App is awesome, Pablo. Fix you just don't app. understand it, okay? What? You you just couldn't possibly understand the English nuance that goes along with that app. It's <laughs> yeah. lost on you because you're yeah, a completely. American. I'm a rhino. You know, I, I was born and raised in Africa, uh, in on a on a uh, sanctuary with no education because rhinos don't get education, general education. Um, oh. So I just definitely wouldn't understand it you all. Need, you need tea and crumpets to go along with it, and then you'll understand. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, okay, sorry, so did you get that? Blood, blood claws, claws, five to fifteen in a unit. They're eighteen points each. Basically, we have a storm shield. A storm shield. <laughs> Don't call oh, me geez. on that. <laughs> a uh, chainsword. That's what I meant to say. Bolt pistol. Uh, now they can have like a wolf car battle in there. They have two cool rules. Basically, make setting them apart. They have something called berserk charge. So when they charge, they get an additional attack other than their angels of death attack so it's plus two attacks when they charge and then they are headstrong which means if they don't have a wolf guard model in the unit when they charge they can they have to declare charge against the close like if they charge it's only the closest unit they can charge so you want to make sure there's a wolf guard in there but essentially it's just uh you know a, a cheaper assault intercessor in a lot of ways and they are weapons of seals three which and they have one less attack, um, just standing still. Oh, so, yeah, I mean, I think in that case, the Assault Intercessors might be better at that point. Just, you know, you're paying a couple extra points for a lot more. Yeah, it's do you want chaff or do you want to remove the enemy off the table? Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Patron Brett wants to know, any thinking why GW didn't choose to say to do... Uh, hold on. Hold on, this is a complicated one. I'm going to say this one verbatim, and then you all can interpret it. Um, I'm sorry, Brett. I'm sure you probably did this with, like, you know, Facebook auto, auto-complete and stuff. But anyways, any thinking YGW didn't choose to do, say, choose to do Space Marine slash Chaos and Eldar plus one Xenos book? Instead of three Imperium Marine books that have all to some extent been touched since, say, Tyranids. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, Brett. Um, I think what you're trying to say is that uh, why didn't GW um, why didn't GW buff 
a variety of books in you know space spring chaos and eldar and super factions instead of sticking to kind of like the imperium books um i don't know why i think i think it was because gw kind of had like uh it looked like they kind of tunnel visioned on these specific you know unit uh weapons because the space ring codex was going to come out so so they were like okay look we need to we've got this big space marine release so we need to buff all the space marine stuff and like oh shit this is also in other people's codexes okay we'll just get those real quick out of the way um so it's kind of what it feels like my own headcanon uh, is that they really 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 did not want a repeat of eighth edition space marines being mostly irrelevant competitively and they came out with this many iterations simply so that when they got to the final quote-unquote space marine codex of ninth edition it would last through the whole edition instead of falling by the wayside in a couple months. Well, then well, it's if definitely that's, not going to fall by the wayside. Well, I guess time will tell, right? I mean, if at the end of ninth edition we get a second Marine Codex again, we'll know they failed. Kind of, maybe. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> that's that is traditionally uh, been GW's mo is uh, Space Marine Codex at the beginning and the end of an edition both times. So anyways, um, yeah, really good questions, everyone. Thank you, patrons, for the questions. And like I said, if you'd like to ask us questions, head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. All right, that is the episode. If you stick around for these 91 minutes, I appreciate you a little bit more than I appreciate all the listeners who I have a ton of appreciation for. James, Brandon, and Scary, thank you so much for coming on. Do any of you have plugs? There are outlets all over my house. Not today, Papa. You make the same joke every episode, Scary. <laughs> if you want to listen to more from Archon Scary, if you want to hear his beautiful voice, have her, hear him talk about meta Mondays, meta things, and painting Black Templars, you can go over to Scaredcast on YouTube. That's S-K-A-R-E-D cast, C-A-S-T, where you can sign up for his Patreon and his YouTube and help him out. Wow, that was uh, that was like you've I've been on this so long, you've sort of memorized it already, Pablo. If, if you listen to this epi- this podcast regularly and you don't know who Skari is, you will be like a lot of other people in 40K. <laughs> Thank you. I, 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 am will, I will now bow and let myself out. Thank you very much. Oh, I love you. I'm sorry. Uh, I just yeah, want to but, thank anybody who uh, decided to stick around through the entire podcast and all the ads that everybody complains about. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. So real quick, I do apologize for that last episode. Um, if you listened for the first hour of the episode, there were twenty advertisements in the YouTube video. Um, I, that was my fault. I set it to auto populate ads. Um, and uh, it filled up basically. It filled in an ad every time there was a pause in Never talking, again. which there was a lot of. So I do apologize. I'm going to fix that in the future. Um, for now, if, if you're concerned about future quality, you know, issues for chapter tactics, um, which I don't blame you. I'm, I'm actually new to uploading directly to YouTube. Normally I played through something else. Um, just go to Scary. He does a much better job with his YouTube videos. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, abs- uh, yeah, so that will, I will make, do my best to make sure that doesn't happen again. Um, although, uh, and I, you know, don't tell Reese I told you all this, but um, we made way more money than we ever have in that first hour. Uh, it went from like thirty cents to like two bucks. So those twenty ads definitely paid for like one black coffee. Yeah, uh, for still, Reese. I like don't coffee. tell Reese that. 
No milk, <laughs> no sugar, just straight out of the pot. Just Reese doesn't like it when I talk about the numbers behind the scenes, but I just thought that was so funny. I was like, oh, well, you know, YouTube ads don't really generate a lot of revenue. If, if, for those of you who don't know, um, not in our industry anyways, you really need like millions of views. Um, but I thought it was really funny that those 20 ads, just an egregious amount of ads actually made a small difference, which was really funny. You know what? Second thought, Pablo, leave the ads on so that way you can buy a razor blade for Reese and cut that chipmunk off his lip. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could do that if we ran if we ran it for all day we might make 20 bucks whoa that's anyways uh, so all right did our subscribe account go way down oh, i don't know just... but there's one video made that these <laughs> i can buy a coffee now oh man what what, what do you all think <laughs> listeners 20 ads for 20 bucks or <laughs> all right anyways That's thank you all you for listening patreon because you don't get the ads no. <laughs> you can make a patreon pablo so that you know at, at like a certain amount of subscribers you can you can do like a frontline gaming swimsuit edition calendar Oh, that's already in the making. Ooh, Absolutely. As long as people would pay money for that. Uh, Reese's stash, like, with different, like, bows tied to it and stuff. That'd be great. You'd have the chance. Put them in a Borat bathing suit. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You are all, of course, the best listeners in the world. And as always, have a good one.